How are you guys doing? Welcome back to the DSLRs podcast. I'm here with Jeremy. Hi everyone, how's it going? My name is Abraham and today we have a really fun guest whose name is? Uh, today we're featuring Angel H. Cruz. He is the featured guest artist for Art Block Scene's next issue. Our current theme right now is the LA Dream. How's it going, Angel? Hi, good. Nice to meet you all, everybody. Um, my name's Angel. Angel H. Hernandez Cruz, and glad to meet everyone. I'm from Mid City area. Uh, I would say multidisciplinary artist, just to drop it in there. <laughs> but yeah, go on, guys. And I don't know what else to say. Well, I think we can start by saying, where are we at? For example, we are at the Steelers office right now. So we're in a real tight space, but we're having fun here. So where are you at? It looks really fun behind you, like a lot of stuff going on. Oh, uh, well, this is, I would say, my home studio. Nice. Well, um, the, it, it took me a while to put it together, but I, I would say finally um, came forward to what I wanted to have within within my studio, like what art supplies, what mediums I needed, uh, and at the same time, what kind of artwork I needed around me to kind of get inspired. <laughs> yes, man. Definitely looks like it's doing its purpose. Um, Jeremy, you have, you want to start with the first question? That's weird. Are we on fire here? Yeah. All right. Um, so, I mean, we've already got a bit of your art in the picture here. Um, what were some of your early inspirations, something that drove you to, you know, kind of start down this road of creating art? I would say um, music played a big part in it. Um, growing up, listening to, you know, um, a lot, I would say a lot of diverse music uh, from hip hop to cumbias to I would say punk music, ska. So at the end of the day, I, I felt that I was surrounded by a lot of DIY grassroots um, environment that it pushed me to expand on what I wanted to be as a creative. Uh, I did start off as a photographer in my early stages as, as in, I would say, getting into art or tapping into art. Um, I took, uh, I participated in a film class. Um, I, I mostly did the acting because I wasn't much of the, the, the person in, in behind the camera. Um, I tried to dabble a little bit of everything before I tapped in into art. So my early art, um, I would say, influences would be um, the hip-hop scene, um, Tim Burton's films, cartoons, um, you know, um, artworks from, um, I would say, Salvador Dali, Alex Pardee, you know, there was it was a variety of artwork that influenced me, especially like Lord Quaz and Mali from Quasimodo, you know, so it's just like it was a, a, a like a, I would say a mixture of everything that influenced me as an artist before I tapped into the digital realm of art. So, uh, um, so I have a question for you. How do you cope with um, imposter syndrome? Uh, let me explain what it is uh, in case you haven't heard it. I didn't before, like a couple of days before I, I learned about it. So imposters is, suffers from a chronic self-doubt and sense of intellectual fraudulence that overrides any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. And I ask it because a lot of artists feel that way. They, they feel like they, they don't have something to back it up or they're not good. So how do you deal with that kind of feeling if you have it? I think I got rid of that at a very young age uh, due to the fact that when I came into the country, 
I spoke dialect, so I didn't know Spanish nor English. So I was I was already an outcast before I became, uh, I would say, part of the crowd when it comes down to speaking the language, uh, looking the aestheticness of what, what is it applied to the community. So at a young age, I did go through a lot of it. I had a lot of self-doubt. I didn't talk. I kept to myself. I didn't even know if I knew or understood art in that sense. After being able to be surrounded by a lot of people that were very much creatives on their own without even having to put up the thought or be something, I, I felt that I could also tap into that. But yeah, it's, I would say everyone goes through, goes through it um, so far right now. But in these five, five year spans, as artists, I haven't had that moment. I explore on Instagram, I would say it's just uh, revolves around just art. So there isn't anything that I would, I would have to search a meme page in order for me to get, um, you know, find something funny on, on Instagram like that. But other than that, it's just bombarded with art. So at, at one point, I feel like I'm never going to feel any self-doubt because there's so much art, art out there in any, any way that it's put out. Um, it could be from reused materials to recycled stuff to um, disposable items. It much gives you a vast variety of, you, couldn't, you can't have self-love. And just hope that, you know, that's how I see it, doesn't it? Sorry, is the cutting on your side? Because on our side, it was cutting here now a little bit. Uh, it's just a little bit, but it's just more the pixelation with the image, not not so much the sound. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you found a lot of inspiration from other artists, and that kind of gives you a strength, right? Um, Jeremy, you have another question you want to ask? Yeah. Um, you've gone over like how you yourself started making art. But I know another thing that you and your wife Josie are pretty big on are also providing spaces for other artists. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, the other group, collective of artists that volunteer and also collaborate with us. Um, my wife is the main um, founder of Hands Up Gallery. And I'd say four or five people within Hands Up that have been volunteering, working side by side, collaborating, you know, and all. Me and my wife, I do the flyers, I try to, you know, put my little two cents into making sure that the art community always has a, a safe space, uh, something that's accessible to everybody, inclusive, it's non-exclusive, um, non you know, everybody's included. There's no medium that isn't, isn't available to be showcased as an art piece. So for us, we're, we're open to, to bring that, that notion of community anywhere we go. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. You know, that kind of reminded me of uh, the first time uh, I helped uh, Luis uh, with DSL Art Gallery. We were doing a fundraiser and we had to wake up really early because the actual place was a car body shop. So we ended up cleaning a lot of, you know, the dust of the painting of the cars and the sanding. Mm -hmm. so it was a kind of a nice experience, you know. Mm -hmm. So do you remember the first time or first event you, you helped put together? I, I do, um, for most part, it was kind of, I would say, like, in a lot where you're just putting um, your friends together. For me, it was, it was, it was putting together a scotia, um with a couple of friends, um, making the flyers, you know, put, um, just designing something out of cutouts, you know, putting like a group of people dancing. It was, it was more of a, like a, I would say, more of a mosh pit photo and we just, 
um, photoshopped it onto it, not photoshopped, glued it on a piece of paper, scanned <laughs> it, printed it out, and put a time frame, and everybody showed up. Um, and for us, it was just being there two hours beforehand to set up the PA system for the band, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that the bands were going to show up on time, like having everybody communicate and before and after. But I think that this was a stepping stone to, to creating spaces, art events. And for me, it was just finding the right crowd that I wanted to work with. Came down to music is an art one. And, and I felt that I myself wasn't there because I don't play music that way. So I didn't, never understood what really needed to be an in-depth for a performance. But I didn't know what it, what it came down to, how to provide a space and how to set it up, how to clean it up. I don't make sure we have security. I don't make sure um, there's um, four parties for, for everybody to use, you know, stuff like that. So it was just the tough stuff, but not the not the overall knowledge of everything. So I needed to find where I'm a little more capable to, to setting up these events. And I guess through it was a long run. I, did I didn't do my first photography installation um, at Sabotech Cafe um, with a couple of friends. And that was just the initiating one. And then afterwards, we did a group show. And now I know where my aspect of having events is, you know, like where, where I understand more of the community. And so this is what it means to like setting up the first events and now setting up constant events when it comes down to art events, art events, pop ups, galleries, stuff like that. That's pretty nice. Man. But it was hard. It was hard. Yeah, there's always a lot of work behind the scene that people don't think or see so it's pretty cool that you mentioned it um so are there any of your um like any of your illustrations or any pieces of art that you would like to talk about yes there's one that i'm very much passionate about um it's called robokai uh that one's that one's dedicated to my godson who who has autism but at the same time i feel it's it's pretty much and a knowing and understanding of what it comes down to, understanding our own emotions, our own spectrum of things, where it comes down to to touch, seeing, oh, and also just communicating, right? Because at the end of the day, we as as humans, we also we as humans, adults, we have a, a hard time understanding each other, especially if if it's not something that we like. So for the, for the most part of it, that. Piece itself, Robokai, it's, um, it's the icon that I have as my main display for, for when I'm off the screen, right? The little robot character. Um, that robot character, it's part of, a, I would say, influence of seeing the Iron Giant and understanding mm-hmm. that everything, it's a learning aspect of things and how you communicate things, whether it's different, whether it's bigger, whether it's stranger. It helps you or un- helps me guide him to the idea that we all have a superhero and if I could create a superhero for you, and there isn't a there isn't a superhero out there that can be facilitated for everybody. Nice. I'm glad that you mentioned uh superheroes and all that. Um so I have a question that kind of goes with it. So it starts like can a wolf be a wolf if it never seen another wolf? So what I try to say is um uh, can an artist become a strong artist if he doesn't have any other artists around or the community to support them? How do you, how important do you think that is? 
It plays 50 50. <laughs> um, I play 50 50 um, because at the end of the day, I myself don't fully consider myself an artist, but I know as an artist, it comes to everything that I do that, that makes me an artist. Uh, I, I consider myself a connection or a building bridge from one aspect to another when it comes down to making something when it comes to the art community, if you had a, a project that you wanted to work with me, but you don't reach out to me as an artist, you reach out to me as a photographer, I still have an input as, as an artist into, into something, but it really does revolve around the community, but it also revolves around how much of you you want to put out yourself out there. I know a lot of artists tell, tell me to not divide myself into so many, so many parts that I, that I know that I'm good at, they want me to focus on to one thing, or there are people that, that say that if your art doesn't sell this much, you shouldn't consider yourself an artist. So yeah, you could, you could say that it, it does help if you have a strong community, but it does also help if you have a strong will when it comes to what, what do you consider art and what do you don't consider art. Great, thanks. That was a good question and a really good answer too, because I also feel that like art is just anything that helps invoke emotion. So people can be artists in their own way as long as they just keep practicing it. But yeah. Right. Like influencers, I feel like they're, they're a big part of, of being, how I put it in a, in a, in a simpler manner. Everybody seems Jim Carrey's yes man, right? Where he goes about just saying yes, yes to everything. But at the same time, there are certain tasks of information that we get introduced, but at the same time, we have to be able to channel it and, and put guidelines to what we understand and how we understand it. Um, some influencers do help out when it comes to motivate you as, as a person so you don't feel too too into yourself, you know, too into your emotions, or or sometimes you we as human beings need to have somebody to vent, you know, our best friend or do so. And as an artist, it's harder because you don't want to sound like like you're bashing on another on another person, or you're taught, or you're being a hypocrite, or you're, or you're not understanding the work that they're putting out, and you're just talking because you don't understand it. At the end of the day, as an artist, it's pretty hard to navigate certain things, but it it is easier if you understand yourself and what you're trying to, what your message is as an artist, instead of having to rely on the criticism of others, more of the criticism that you've want to to be able to understand when you put up an artwork yes oh, well i'm gonna throw a little curveball here um because in the little interview bio that i got for uh from you uh it mentioned that an occasion when your mom discovered some of your sketches probably notes mm -hmm. either from masterpieces or other references when you were 12 <laughs> and they said they saw it in more of us a pornography than doing some art something artistic right that reminded me uh, a time when I was also in school and I took one of my dad's uh, art books and I was sketching and um, I got in trouble. So they called the teacher and I had to explain myself what I was doing. Right. And so my question is, uh, um, right. why do you think society shies away from human body? Why do you think that happens? It, it's so much, so much has changed throughout time right now. I would say through through the centuries that we've gone through, 
in the earlier time frames, I would say it wasn't seen as something positive because everybody wasn't understand so understandable about the I would say the human body itself or the human emotion that comes within being confident with your human body. So I can't I can't understand why why my mother um took it in that aspect where you know where seeing like there was pornography because she didn't understand art in that way. She knew about artesanía, mm-hmm. but she didn't know about artistry. Um, artists, artists itself, I would say, it it plays within within the, the the era, the spectrum, or the society, or even, I would say, the community that, that you're around there, where it, it pretty much is okay with it, and that it isn't okay with it. Um, I would say my culture wasn't so much about drawing the human body as it was to creating stuff out of clay, making sombreros, making huaraches, you know, making mezcal. It was more of a hand-on artistry. So for me to draw something like that, it, be, it, did, seem, it, did, it did seem like pornography at the time for my mom. But now I understand it a lot better. If I was, if I was to be caught drawing ollas, I don't think she would have been that upset. She would have pushed me to be more of an artist. But yeah, I do understand where where we're all coming from. Because nowadays, I do a lot of work that sometimes I do flyers for. Um, you know, um, you know, certain events that like for weed events, for uh, I would say for sometimes you know after hours events for parties for so and so. I. I ended up doing some flyers for them, and I started noticing that they like one. So there's some flyers that for life drawing classes, you have to do more more body artwork on there. There are a group of people that like the type of artwork that you're going to have, I would say, a community for that. Um, And growing up, we don't understand that because we're not taught that way of art. We're taught the basics of art, but once you start reading books about um, I'd say Michelangelo or Carvajali. Uh, you know, you start understanding that these are artists that spoke about the human body in a whole, I would say, comfortable manner because of the community that they have built around that. That revolved around liking that human body, liking the where people draw rambunctious um, bodies to you know very petite bodies. Um, nowadays. You could you put a photo of Rihanna exposing herself with a baby. You know that's the human body. I mean, no one comfortable with seeing it so so often that if somebody does it, it's not considered photography. Or if an artist has an OnlyFans based on the fact that they, Instagram can censor its life drawing images, images, or they have a platform to do so. But when growing up, for both of us, I would say we were in a time frame where our community wasn't aware of all that creativity that came with art and space for not because they misunderstood it, they didn't understand what what the masters are teaching you. Because at the end of the day, that's what you go to learning school, you know, about masters, about sculptures, about how to draw the human body correctly so you can proportion your characters right. Or you can have um, uh, an understanding of depth and perception and, and whatnot. Or if the if the toe is too big, then the body's going to come out of proportion. Or if the hands are too small, then the face is going to be too big. In, in nowadays, you have 
light boxes, um, uh, transfer paper, you have Procreate, you have a, a, a graphic um, digital design programs on, on the computer that you don't necessarily have to draw it, but you can use an image and transfer it or, or you know, trace over it or you know, sketch it or, or do so because there's so much more imagery of it now. You know, there's, there's a YouTube channel where it gives you a time frame where it tells you these are live poses. You know, the, the model is in, is in nude, but it's implied nude mm. where it's okay to, 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 to see this, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I understand why she was upset and I understand where, what time frame I was in. And I understood that it, I was too early for it to, to be able to comprehend the in-depth of why I was drawing um, these these things, not just so much of why I read a book and just off the bat, I read it. And something told me to draw it because I followed the steps of so-and-so, but not knowing why they were teaching it to, to a community of artists with understanding why I needed to do it. Thank you. Um, you share a lot about like, I don't know, kind of going out there, like when we spoke and did the interview for our blog zine, you talked a lot about, um, breaking limits and like basically just pushing yourself past what you can. Um, what were some of the challenges that like you faced that you've recently had to overcome that, you know, kind of like if you had to give advice to young artists, either struggling or in a position that you once were, you know, what would be like your advice to them? I would say just so much, just being confident and knowing that the people around you, are also showing their potential when it comes down to combining potentials. Uh, I One of the things that I had very much, I would say, holding me back at one point was the ability to communicate with others about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, how I saw we all work together to make something happen. Um, yeah, expressing those, pushing the, the, the barriers of things is because I understood loopholes. and. <laughs> I feel like I never understood the word or the meaning of that word because at the end of the day, I understood that there are some things that we can take advantage of and we also can use it for our advantage to, to facilitate a great environment for our, our community. For instance, um, there are moments where I feel like if I was double, if I had more than one ethnicity, I could have been able to to apply to different scholarships to be able to go to school, you know. But at the same time, I understand that's not that's not a limitation for me. But also, I need to understand where I come from, how I come from it, knowing that I didn't get raised in, in the in the community where I wanted to be raised, compared to the community where I am participant and how I can show them that I'm. I'm part of their community, but I'm also helping their community. Um, I don't know if anybody knows I have face tattoos. You know, I have I have tear drops on my face, and and at one point, I don't necessarily recommend it, or am I going against it? You know, for people to do so, but it is something where you have to pretty much be confident with yourself, so you know that first impressions are always going to be one of those main key thing, key factors in life. So. I know that at one point I probably came off a certain way to people in the streets. So when they see me talking about art or doing art or, or even helping helping others to do art, they understand that it's, it's so much more now. 
uh, about the accessibility of how you can express yourself as an artist mm. rather than to how you need to tiptoe around the idea of I'm an artist, but I don't show what I am in public because they don't understand it. Um, I have another uh, question. So we already talked about the first time you helped to uh, create an event. I kind of want to mm -hmm. talk about the first time you got a dollar back from your work. Well, do you remember the first time you got a dollar from your work as an artist or from art? And also, what is the last time you got a dollar from art? And I say that because that's one of the things we're trying to figure out, like how to be a successful artist, right? Yeah. I think that's a really important question. I think the first time I made money off my art without knowing that I did art was when I helped a friend. Um, I grew up in a household where certain things, we got it once in a while. So if we got a computer, we got the whole system. We got a scanner, we got mm -hmm. a factory machine, we got a printer. We got everything in the and with the Windows 95 computer that we had at the time. And so... I didn't understand all of the, the things that we had and why we got it all at once. Uh -huh. But it was for the notion that as a as a indigenous community or like in documented community, you're you're pretty much told you need to buy one thing one time and make sure that that lasts you for the whole year and <laughs> use it the best you can, right? Yeah. <laughs> so at the same time, my friend came from a different household where he had three or five printers, five scanners and stuff, but he couldn't do certain things because they were illegitimate, right? He couldn't do it in his household, oh. as how he put it. So he came <laughs> to my household and he showed me how to scan and how to print. I didn't understand what we were doing, but he comes back a month later and he gives me, I would say, $30. And he says, this is for your printer and your scanner. And I didn't understand what he's printed, what he scanned, but he showed me how to do it. He showed me how I was able to facilitate something. And later on, I was able to do it on my own. That I understood I was learning how to do Photoshop. I was learning how to use mm -hmm. paint without knowing how to paint. And it was yeah. more of a graphic design method of it. Um, uh, the thing that... that I, um, that helped me was uh, making transportation, you know, methods for easier for students to get around, you know, just keep the holographic and the rest is done for you. It's a little sticker, yeah. right? So that, that was my first time creating art without knowing that I created art or I created a loophole for people to, to travel without having to pay the full price for yeah. it. And so that was the first time I made like $30 or a, a, a buck out of the stuff that yes. I had around the house, not knowing that I was creating art. Now I do um, I do graphic designs, illustrations, flyers, where I put typography, I cut and paste stuff, I put information here and there, um, where in my whole process, like I was learning this as a kid, I just didn't know that I, I wasn't doing it the right way, but now I'm doing it the right way. <laughs> That's interesting. How, how it begins, the handle continues and and how you grow with it, that's pretty dope. <laughs> thank you, thank you. What has, like you said, you started off with like paint. Um, what are like the more recent tools that you've started using that like if someone wanted to start doing art right now and like they just had like a computer or their cell phone laying around or I don't know, like what are like some of the new processes that people could be using 
I guess to like break whatever limits that they're putting on themselves. Um, I would also just throw in my Instagram right there if they want more information also too, because there's more in depth to it. Um, my, my Instagram course is Angel H. Cruz with the X at the end instead of a Z. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of platforms. There's like mental canvas where you could do like storytelling, but in, in a more in-depth perspective format. Um, there's Procreate where you pay one-time payment and last year years and years on um, on how you could do logo design, illustration, graphic design. Um, if you're a photographer, lightning is easy. Um, there's, let's say, a trial one where you could just use it for a small time period and, and then upgrade if you need to. Napseed, which is free. Uh, photographers, and if you're trying to do more digital stuff, MediaBank, it's another one that works a lot more with a manga style artwork. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for you to do that um, that type of art on there, line work and, and stuff. Uh, what are the terms? If you're somebody that wants to do maybe blending, uh, there's forger, there's uh, I think there's another thing called blender or something. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, there's a couple programs that are uh, helpful and accessible to that. Um, if you're somebody that likes to do live drawing but doesn't want to draw on the iPad but wants to use their iPad more, there's a program called Mannequin, Mannequin, Tip, okay, right? Um, and, and that one, where you can move the mannequins into different formats, so you can do um, live drawing postures, and at the same time, use your iPad to to draw it out. You know, like you screenshot that image, um, and then use it for your drawing. If you're using a tablet, or if you're just using your tablet to, as, as another way to look at an image for reference. But there's, Math programs out there, the mediums out there to like to paint on stuff, materials. Uh, I would say postcards are one of those um, materials that are water based, but at the same time, they hold really strong. If you resin on them, if you use resin, if you use washcloth, uh, they, they don't dissolve, the color doesn't disappear. So, um, and <laughs> I, would, I could go on and on about using <laughs> Trying it out and not giving yourself that because a lot of artists that I talk to they have gotten their materials from Daiso, you know, or from the Dollar Tree, or there's some artists that you know invest a little bit more for a uh, a sufficient amount amount of money for the materials that they want to use. You know, you could go to raw materials, top arts. You could go to the rooster, um, blitz art material that always has you know our muskets out. You know, um, Michael, like I said, there's plenty of ways you can create art and do it in a in a in a well mannered budget and a distance and make a good a good amount. Of yeah, that's a lot of stuff. And like the other day, I was looking into this program that you go into your computer. You have a photo of you or your girlfriend or whatever, and basically mm-hmm. you can choose what kind of style of art you want to transform your photo into. That's a lot of stuff that's going on right now with the computers as well. Uh, I have another uh, question. Um, I saw a piece of uh, work that you have. It's like a Virgin Mary in a street, and it has a lot of stuff added on. And that, mm-hmm. and also, like, do you have any uh, connection with graffiti as well? I don't know. I haven't seen all your stuff. I, I did grow up with, with graffiti as a background. Um, a lot of my friends that did art 
more, I would say, somewhere into the graffiti scene and somewhere just more of the visual aspects of graffiti where they saw it and they liked it and they appreciated based off the fact that they would wear your graffiti hit up on, on their on their clothes and stuff, mm. you know, supporters like that. Um, I wasn't good with spray cans, <laughs> I'd say. I'm not going to be sitting here and saying, like, I'm Bansky where I would get a stencil <laughs> and that shit was good. No, uh, even <laughs> pencils, I sucked at. Um, but for the most part, I was really good at sketchbooks. I was really good at making pieces or pe- or, or doing the, the graffiti work for, for them on a sketch of paper mm-hmm. and then transferring it to, to the walls or onto something as a mural or so. I didn't understand that I was I was... I would say giving them shortcuts. <laughs> but later on, I understood it. Um, they told me growing up, right, as a kid, um, bro, you suck. You're toy. Like, just take the sketchbook. And I thought, damn, I'm not going to, I'm never going to put my artwork on the street. I'm never going to be this cool person that, that everybody knows. Nobody's <laughs> the person that hit up somebody on the sketchbook. When are you going to show that unto the world, right? But little did I know that there were people that were, Noticing my artwork, so when they saw my artwork just on its own, on um, let's say on the desk of a classroom, they knew it was me without knowing who I was. They knew, oh, it's that guy that does the, the artwork on the sketchbooks, you know? <laughs> and later on, I started buying my own sketchbooks without doing the graffiti, just, just doing the artwork. But somehow, seeing the, the landscape of buildings and houses being painted, um, with no graffiti in in museums that I wanted to always incorporate that 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 aspect of, of things where it's like I wanted to look realistic realistic yeah. whether not realistic you know <laughs> because now I put current stuff where I, I hit up nft you know um okay. in my in the aspect of things that I call it Netflix today because it's only a handful of us that know what what nft stands for or how to use it or how to use it properly without it being just an algorithm but it's so much to 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 do and and to include within within the RPs that yeah it seems like I do come from a graffiti background but that's because of the people that I've been around with I I I've come to collaborate with I come to know and understand I have gone to um, programs like Juice you know right there off Vermont where it was like mm-hmm. just about graffiti I hung out with people that were from certain crews like DOC you know. Uh, an artist named Otis, you know, an artist named um, 437, um, you know, Lunchbox. But these are people that help me understand art in, in a bigger aspect because now that I see their artwork and how graffiti has led them to a different, I would say, spectrum of of art where some of them are doing more digital artwork, some of them are doing more um, personal artwork, and some, I would say, like, big known artists like Crayola where you see them creating the, uh, an environment like Tony Hawk but at the same time <laughs> they incorporated all the graffiti within the, that environment. They're known for graffiti background but they're now realm for artistry is just you know canvas work where it's just you know fine arts type of artwork. So you know the transition of it it's always going to be part of you but at the same time you don't necessarily have to have a background, but just understand it in a way where you can implement the idea of this is what you saw every day. So as an artist, is it is it so much of you being the graffiti or is it so 
much of you understanding what what the graffiti is before your environment and what it was to growing up to it. So that's why I include graffiti and in the artwork that I do. Um, now I now I'm I'm practicing a little bit more in the graffiti realm because I, I would say my artwork has has tapped in a lot into the graffiti environment. So a lot of them do understand it and say. I want you to do more graffiti because we see that you have it in digital format, but now can you put it on, you know, on a canvas, uh, on, on wood or so. So I try to do it, you know, step out of that notion from, yes, I can do it on the computer, but, and yes, I could do it now on a piece of paper, but I'm not going to touch a spray can because <laughs> I'm not there yet. What's <laughs> always has to do with, how like I tell people like try to experience art in different ways. Even you're just a painter, go to poetry nights, go meet singers, go meet other artists because everything is gonna influence you and you're gonna grow from it. Don't just stick around with what you know. I think that's the most, uh, most important thing. Just experience as much as you can. And uh, Jeremy, you have one last more question? A little short on time now. We got a few minutes left. Um, right. So we're gonna get I to the wrap up the board stage. <laughs> But is there anything you would like to add in these last couple minutes here? Anything you'd like to say? Any way people can get to your work? If they see it, they want to reach out to you? Any way to connect or anything you want to add? Oh, I'm always a DM away. I have my email on my Instagram uh, to reach me. I think I still have my phone number on there. I'm not sure. But yeah, you know, I'm always reachable through Instagram right now. Our, our email, Angel H. Cruz, C-R-U-X at gmail.com. And for any information, any um, I'm working on my website, but <laughs> I'm very tedious or I'm very um I'm perfectionist when it comes to making sure it comes out the best way I I wanted it to come out, where it doesn't just seem like just a regular website. But at the end of the day, I'm an artist, so <laughs> and that's every artist, you know, every artist wants to do it. They're a best, best website or so. Um, but so far, I think you just Instagram is, is the main platform. Um, I do have a Procreate portfolio online as well if they want to ask me for that link so they could see more of my artwork and more, I'd say, in a better aspect of things. Because because uh, sometimes when I, when I do it as a, as an 8x11 print, it, I can't show every detail. So, you know. You can always look it up online too as well. But yeah, those are the platforms that I'm that I'm mostly in. Thank you very much. It was uh, great having you and we'll catch you later. Yeah, thank you for your no, time. Thank you. No, and also thank you guys for putting this together. Uh, thank you, Luis. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Jeremy. You guys are, and, and everybody that's part of um, DSLR, right? Um, sorry, did I say it right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that that puts this together because at the end of the day it's always the people behind the cameras that don't get enough of the credit and the mm -hmm. people in front of the cameras are always the 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 great aspect of things but also everyone that that, that puts the, um, this in notion or this idea in notion because it's a lot bigger than what we we imagine it to be because it i feel like this can be a very powerful device to connect and to distribute information for artists and for artists to reach each other, one another. So thank you guys for that. Thank you, mate. All right, thank you everyone. I'll catch you later. Thank you everyone Bye. listening to wherever you are. Angel H. Cruz, thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you. I'm mid-city area, so sure. check me out. All right. <laughs>